2: And welcome to episode 303 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Well, another year is in the books, and we've sailed past our 300th episode. In our last episode, we talked about using soundscapes and functional music for productivity and other purposes. I love this topic and highly recommend that episode. Now it's time for our annual end of the year show. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the
1: Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be wrapping up 2021 in our traditional style. Longtime listeners will know that ESPN's Pardon the Interruption show, also known as PTI, with with Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon, was one of the inspirations for the Kennedy Mile Report podcast. Our tradition is to use some elements of PTI for the format of this recap episode, so that's what we plan to do. And we've got a special guest, our favorite fan of the show, Debbie Foster. Thanks for joining us for the episode, Debbie.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
1: For those of you unfamiliar with the PTI format, we've got, we're have we gonna have three segments. The first segment is toss-up, in which we purposely take opposite sides of a legal tech topic, which is gonna be interesting since there are three of us. Uh, what's the word in which we fill in the blank on a statement about a legal tech topic with a well-chosen word, or maybe sometimes words. And our own new segment, Hot or Not, in which we categorize a legal tech topic as hot, not, or something in between. And then we end up with that fast response, big finish. To give you, Debbie, and Dennis a sneak preview of the results, I'm going to win every segment. That's ridiculous. All right. So let's get started by let Debbie introduce herself really quickly.
0: My name is Debbie Foster. I'm with Affinity Consulting, and I work with law firms all over the country, helping them solve their biggest challenges related to technology and people and how they get their work done and building a successful, thriving
1: firm for the future. All right, well, thank you, Debbie, and good luck to you in the game. Our first segment is called Toss Up. In Toss Up, all of us are required to take a different side on each topic. Again, three sides is gonna be interesting here. We argue our positions, and in the end, I will declare myself the
2: winner. Dennis, are the rules clear? No agreeing. Well, first of all, I disagree about the rules, the results, and the, and the fact that we can't have three sides on the, of uh, a two-sided question but here's our first toss-up question. Many people said 2020 and COVID accelerated the legal professions move to the cloud and other new technologies by 10 years and 10 months. Did 2021 move us another 10 years forward? Tom? Okay, so I would say not 10 years,
1: but yes, there was progress. There was more progress. I mean, I think that what um, 2021 uh, helped us recognize was that 2020 was not a fluke, that we are going to be in a in a certain way of working from home. I've seen, and, and frankly, we've seen, some law firms actually start to say uh, working remotely is going to be the thing that we start doing. I fully expect that things will modify um, and that technology will advance as a result because we're understanding better that 2020 was just not a flash in the pan, that this may be, I hate to use the word, the new normal, but it, 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 this, this will be the way things will be. And so um, I, I think that there was modifications and, and improvements and uh, a progress on technology during 2021, but not near the same level that there was in 2020. Just uh, 2020 was huge. And that's because lawyers never advance in technology. 2021, modest. Debbie.
0: I'm going to kind of agree with you, Tom. I think that there was definitely progress made. Some of the progress, though, I think was a move back toward how things were before, finding a balance. So the pendulum was on the far left, swung to the far right, and has maybe come back down a bit towards the center. In coming up with a way that people can still take advantage of some of the advances from a technology perspective, and maybe even more importantly, from a culture perspective, in a way that made the most sense going forward in 2021. I think in 2020, it was more emergent and it had to be done. And we got there, maybe not in the most logical way possible. But I think that kind of rounded out in 2021 in a really positive way. But I don't think we move forward 10 years in 2021.
2: So my comment to the two of you is, you cannot be serious. I mean, most of what I saw was just purely treading water. I think that I saw more words written about law firms going back to the office than anything else. I looked at the ABA uh, ABA's uh, legal technology survey, and and I, I wrote the tech report on cloud computing. And it was like, nothing had happened i mean like basically all the numbers were flat the only thing that that changed was the the lawyer's cybersecurity practices got even worse so um, I think there was a big uh, a move backwards last year. And uh, it was, it's, frankly was discouraging to me.
1: All right, Dennis, Debbie and I will get off your lawn. Well, let's move <laughs> on to toss up number two. The, uh, here's the toss up. The most interesting legal tech developments are happening in the access to justice area. Debbie.
0: So I actually don't think that that is true, although I think there are a lot of really interesting legal tech tech developments in access to justice. I think that there are legal tech developments, though, that are impacting law firms now that are really important. And, you know, the technology progress from a workflow and automation and collaboration, I don't want to steal any thunder about collaboration that you guys are going to talk about later, but that There have been some real advances there. And from my perspective, going into law firms, I don't know, a couple of law firms a week that I work with, I have seen people really embracing what they see as a development, which to me is kind of old news. But if you've never seen it before, if you've never really understood how to collaborate with someone or take advantage of a technology that I've been using what I'd call pretty efficiently for the last 10 or 12 years... It still can look like an interesting legal tech development that a law firm is taking advantage of. So I I think there's a lot of cool things happening in law firms today related to technology that maybe should have happened five or 10 years ago, but I'm pretty happy to see them happening today.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to uh, uh, agree to a certain extent with, with Debbie. I, I think that access to justice, I love what's going on there. But I, I think I would describe it as I think there's a lot of uh, things happening on the edges. And so there are definitely places. Some of them aren't surprising. Some are. I mean, I think there's cool things happening in the big firm space, uh, especially outside the U.S. Uh, that I think are are super cool. I think the alternative legal services providers are, are doing some things. There's a whole bunch of uh, uh, new legal tech companies and new combinations of legal tech companies. So I think there's there's a lot happening. I think the big impact ones Still, although it slowed down a bit, I think in 2021 over 2020, um, I think the access uh, to justice ones are the ones that give me the most optimism about how uh, lawyers are going to serve the community.
1: Okay, my answer is going to be short because really I'm I'm looking more from the outside than the two of you. Um, I am not really involved in legal technology, so to a certain extent I have to be seeing seeing things from the outside. And and my response here is that uh, from the outside I can't tell that anything's happening other than stuff in access to justice because it takes up all the oxygen, it gets all the publicity. Debbie, all the stuff you're talking about is great, but we're not hearing about that. That's not something that's getting a lot of uh, a lot of press. It's not something that we would be aware of. I just wish that w- there would be more publicizing of this kind of information. We learn more stories, or maybe people could point me to places where I could learn more about it. It just feels like um, it's not getting the recognition it deserves.
0: Okay. Toss-up number three. We've learned that travel and in-person meetings are still essential, despite the existence of great collaboration tools. Dennis.
2: For me, I just uh, updated my social media profile photos uh, to, to N95 Mass. So um, I'm not, you know, travel in-person meetings are still really tough for me. I think there's a lot of things that we can do with Zoom. It's really, uh, I taught in person uh, a class in the fall semester, and there are some things about Zoom that I missed. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, it's great to have in-person meetings. I Still, I, I'm, I'm not convinced we're making the best use of them. I still see people at in-person meetings with everybody in the same boring, dimly lit hotel rooms sitting on those hard chairs looking at a, you know, a three-person panel. So um, it's probably is essential. I just wish we would treat it like it was actually essential and improve what we're doing.
1: While I don't have a problem with, uh, with, with virtual and remote and all of that, I really still think that we need human contact for some things. There are some things for which human contact just is necessary. To give an example in the legal world, I'm still not fully convinced that you can do a good cross-examination via Zoom. I think that being in front of the person and talking to them in a courtroom, um, seeing their body language, hearing things and having that happen in a, in, in a one-on-one thing is still more powerful and more effective. Um, so I think that there are um, there are things that I think that in person is still more effective and more necessary. I will say I think that virtual conferences are terrible from most standpoints. The one standpoint that I think that they're good from is they have become so much better at allowing the attendees to learn. About information in a way that they probably weren't able to learn before. It's not necessarily like sitting on the hard seats and watching a three-person panel in the dark and be bored about it. But every other aspect, in my opinion, of virtual conferences, the socializing is awkward and stilted. The vendor experience is terrible at conferences. Um, the, the, it's those. It's those meetings. I mean, Dennis, you don't spend time in a conference in the in those sessions anyway. You spend all of your time out in the hall talking to people or talking to vendors. That's the experience you don't get in a virtual conference. So I think it's hard. I, th- those are the types of things that I really think um, are suffering because of, uh, because of all this remoteness.
0: And I would say as a vendor slash business partner, putting that hat on for a minute, I couldn't agree more that virtual conferences are terrible from that perspective. Uh, we probably spent forty or $50,000 over the last couple of years on virtual booths, in air quotes, and every penny of that money, with the exception of the fact that there is some uh, value in supporting the organizations that put on these conferences. And I I don't want to say that's not valuable, but from our perspective, using those events as strategic marketing events, they were absolutely useless. Uh, My first conference back was in July and I Uh, Went to ILTA in August, was at an ABA meeting in person, was at an ALA meeting in person. And I think they're even going back after being gone for so long, there is no substitute for in-person meetings. I I just, I'm happy with Zoom and we use it when it makes sense and we try to make the best of it. I think there's a huge opportunity to improve the in-person experience and not make them be panels or even worse than panels, manals. Uh, There's a great opportunity to improve what's happening there. But the reality is being in person, there is no substitute for that. No Zoom room is ever going to give me the same experience. So I'm all for let's get back into those meetings.
2: And Tom, let me throw up toss up number four. So if you were to sum up your thoughts on 2021, how would you do that? Tweet stream, Substack newsletter, YouTube video, TikTok video, Discord server, NFT, what would you, what would you use? So, so I'm
1: torn here. I think that we, we talked about this a little bit last year, and I think that I threw everything behind Substack. Um, I still think that Substack is an interesting way to go. What you didn't include here are some of the community things. Uh, I mean, Discord kind of gets you closer to it. So I think I would say I'm torn this year talking about Discord and or TikTok. TikTok has really taken off. We've seen lawyers, including one of our hosts here, um, spending more time and doing content on TikTok. I I think it is a very interesting medium uh, to to be using. Discord, to me, is just one example of the communities that are available out there that you can set up. It is by no means the only one. There are some people who say that it shouldn't really be considered as a serious one for most people in in legal, that there are better options for that. But I think that the two ideas there are, one, finding new ways to reach an audience, and TikTok is definitely a new way to reach an audience, and two, ways to build communities, and Discord, again, is one of the better examples at doing that. So those, those would be the two I would just say, I know for sure it's not NFT, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard.
0: And for me, I'm going to go old school. I wouldn't do it in any of those ways. I might be the last person or Tom and I might be the last two people that don't have TikTok accounts. I don't have one. I don't plan on ever getting one. I would probably put mine on LinkedIn. If it was a, my thoughts on 2021 from a professional perspective, i would i'd go on linkedin there's no way i would go on any of those other things and i certainly would not do a tweet stream that's not my that's not my jam over there
2: so i think that for me the answer is uh pretty close to all of the above so there's a part of me that wants to say that i would sum up uh in one tweet and even more so in one hashtag uh, but that's that's pretty difficult to do. Um, I think that, uh, as Tom talked about, there's some different categories. And, and as Debbie pointed out, you also want to go where your audience is, and you want to do a to do repurposing. So all of these things to me become options. And so I think you're looking to say, where's your audience? Do you want to do video? There's so much attention to video. So TikTok is interesting. The community piece, I love using Mighty Networks and and have a community there. And then the other thing is, if, if I'm putting out my thoughts, I want to monetize it. And this is what the new creator economy uh, is about. And that's where uh, things like nfts like substack and other things where people pay you for content of really really become interesting and and so i think it does come down to this sort of pretty close to all of the above except that uh we all have things that we don't like and i would i just can't even imagine doing an email newsletter ever again
1: and that's it for toss-up and as predicted i clearly won
2: oh gosh here we all go. All right, before <laughs> before we all
1: right, we've got to move on to our our next segment. And that next segment is what's the word? In this segment, we're going to have a se- a sentence about a legal tech topic that has a blank in it. Each of us is going to come up with the best word or maybe words to fill in the blank. Dennis, what is our first sentence?
2: The combination of uh, the adoption of the ethical duty of technology competence in many states and a move in Arizona, Utah, some other states to open up or re-regulate the legal profession had, and I'll say a or an, blank impact on the legal profession. Tom?
1: I will use the word mixed, a mixed, because you've included both legal tech competence and you've talked about re-regulation. And I really think that uh, in, in my opinion, the tech competence thing has kind of been a big bust. I mean, we we, we would celebrate every state that would start uh, doing it. And now most every state is, is has adopted the duty. But what are we seeing actually happening with that? I mean, there's no enforcement, there's no body, uh, there, there's nobody suing people or making claims. There's very, I mean, I think we occasionally hear a thing or, or two about it. But I mean, it's really uh, a whole lot of sound and fury signifying nothing as far as I'm concerned concern um the re-regulation of the legal profession, what Arizona, what uh, what what Utah are thinking about do, are doing right now to me is genuinely interesting. And I know, Dennis, you're going to talk about other states that have a bah humbug approach to that. And maybe that's true. But I think that these are, or, these are states that are looking at new ways of doing it. And they, I think, are moving forward. I think they are doing some interesting things. And so I, I would say that they have the potential to have a much larger impact on the legal profession. I think we need to give it some time, but I think that the way that sentence is phrased, I would say it's a mixed impact. Debbie.
0: My answer is more than one word. I would say it hasn't had as much of an impact as it should have had, should have. You know, a lot of clients that I work with when we're talking about strategy, it's not even on their radar that it's happening. And I feel like this is more of the same, the bury your head in the sand, the way we've always done it, nothing bad could ever happen to me, nothing bad could ever happen to us. And I don't think that the way that access to justice and understanding the underserved community, I don't think that people connect that to this challenge of deregulation or re-regulation, whatever you wanna you wanna call it. And You know, for me, I wish that our clients were paying more attention to this and were more interested in understanding what's happening in the legal profession because I don't see it. Right now, what I see is people just expecting and wanting more of the same and believing that those people who are in charge of those things will never allow this to happen if it's even on their radars.
2: So my word is teensy tiny And, you know, generally I'm an optimist on this stuff. But, you know, recently uh, this uh, – so, Tom, I was thinking as you were talking about uh, the states and the duty of technology competence, I don't even know that there were any states this year that that added that. And Florida just took a gigantic step backwards. And other states are going slow on the, the so-called – re-regulation, which I'm not totally a fan of. And I sort of see this this backlash coming. And I want to tie it to what Debbie just said. I think that lawyers are looking to, you know, like pull up the drawbridges and make the moats deeper and look at this as a way to protect the monopoly when the benefits of these things actually comes from serving the underserved. And uh, we just sort of have you know, the, it's like the telescope has turned a long way uh, on, on this. So I, I, I would like to see a rethink. But I th- I think that um, in 2022, we're just like to see if the backlash come and things get even more, uh, you know, head in the backwards direction.
1: All right. The next sentence that we have is the one technology all lawyers should be using more of is blank. Debbie. So I'm going
0: to go a quick toss up. I'm going to say that, as I think I've said every year that I've done this with you guys, I just wish people would use how to learn how to use their core production tools and use them better and be more efficient. But I also think that this concept of practice management software, which has been around forever, it seems, I feel like I've been beating that horse to death for 20 something years. It is still what I believe to be the single most important software program when it comes to changing the way the lawyer manages a case and has access to the information that is relevant to the case. And and it can be a game changer in a firm if people really embrace and adopt using practice management software. Dennis.
2: Yeah, those are those are great answers. I'm going to to the surprise of no one, since Tom and I are finishing up our, our new collaboration tools and technologies book, it's it's collaboration tools, baby. That's the one technology you need. The other thing, because I've had the occasion to use some, some uh, legal services in the past year or so, um, I say – Take online payments. I mean, I, I just can't even believe that law firms aren't aren't doing this. Uh, so that would be the the other thing I, w- I would add there.
1: Oh, my gosh. Please just use a password manager. Just please just do it. Don't use the same password or don't use the same three passwords or don't just add a one or a two to your passwords. Go and get a password manager. And that's all I have to say about that.
0: All right. The last question. The one thing that should be at the top of every lawyer's must learn list is blank. Dennis.
2: Cybersecurity, period, exclamation point. All
1: right. And I'm going to say I think that because I can't say cybersecurity because Dennis said it, because I really think that's probably the, the answer that, that everybody should go with. I'm going to go with properly learning to use a camera and a microphone in online meetings. I spent an hour yesterday um, with someone in the in, in the legal technology business who spent the entire time. I spent the entire time staring at the top of his head and just the bottom, the top part of his nose. I couldn't see him talk at all. I saw his eyes go back and forth. I was, and he was—he was leaning back in a chair the whole time, and I did not—I could not see him, and it was a terrible—it was just a terrible experience uh, talking to this person. And I—I um, I, I just think that having a good quality camera, um, you—if—if if you're gonna—if we're gonna be virtual, if we're gonna be doing things, you need to look professional, you need to sound professional, and it's not expensive to do it. Get a good camera and a good microphone, and sound like the professional you want to be. Was that one word? Oh, you know what? It's not one word. I would just say, uh, let's say uh, uh, the one thing that should be at the top of every lawyer's must learn list is camera dash microphone dash etiquette.
2: <laughs> nice, nice, nice one word. All right,
0: Debbie. Uh, mine's not going to be one word either. I think that what should be at the top of every lawyer's must learn list is how to manage their day. And it is related to technology, but this whole living in your inbox, it, as much as we've been talking about this for however long we've been talking about it, it's a terrible idea and everyone knows it. Yet most of the lawyers I work with live out of their inbox and they're constantly distracted. They rarely get to deep work. They, rarely, they, they work on the weekne- weekends and they work on the evenings because their email isn't going crazy at those times. And that's when they can get their work done. And I really feel like if people took control of their day and decided how they were going to manage it and what work they would get done, more times than not, they would end the day in less time than what they spend now trying to get their
1: work done. And that's it for What's the Word? And what do you know? I've racked up another tumultuous victory.
2: Oh, come on. Sorry, Dennis. What's the hundred words? Sorry,
1: Dennis and Debbie. There's no time for comments. But before we move on to our final segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Be the best resource you can for your Spanish-speaking clients with the Spanish Group's legal
0: translation service. Experienced translators ensure accurate translation of your documents with same-day delivery. Confidentiality is ensured, and the Spanish Group guarantees acceptance for certified translations. All that and their rates are competitive. If you need other languages... The Spanish Group translates in over 140 languages. Mention LegalTalk 20 when you request your quote for 20% off your
1: first translation. Visit thespanishgroup.org. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S T A F I.cc and get $500 off with code HAPPY24.
0: Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time consuming and error prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at InfoTrack.com simple. If you're like me, you're probably a bit frustrated with the state of our political system today. Democracy Decoded, a podcast by Campaign Legal Center, examines our government and discusses innovative ideas that could lead to a stronger, more transparent, accountable, and inclusive democracy. Listen at democracydecoded.org to their new season, which takes a deep dive into democracy at the state and local level by highlighting different ways to ensure that every voter's voice is heard.
2: And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, along with our special guest, Debbie Foster. I'm not sure about the judging on the show. Time is acting like the referees at a Dallas Cowboys home game. Well, that's a sad attempt
1: at taunting, Dennis, but it's a taunting nonetheless. Um, let's move on. It is time for our new segment, Hot or Not. Tom, fire the first topic. All right. The first topic is... Pump is hot or not pumping VC money into legal
2: tech. Debbie.
0: Hot, 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 hot. Like it couldn't be hotter. It's so hot.
2: Yeah, I'm going with molten lava hot and
1: throw some of that money our way. And I'm going to answer the question again, like I did before, looking from the outside, looking at what other industries are getting in terms of VC money. I would say it's, it's warming up, but it's not blazing. I mean, it's not as good as it could be in other industries, but it's definitely better than it has been.
0: All right, the next one, hot or not, productization.
2: I think this is super hot in the, the world I'm in. I sort of think that productization is document automation 2.0, and um, I think it's, it's heating up.
1: I would say when you say, Dennis, hot for the the world that you're in. So I say it's hot for the five people who are doing it. And so that's about the world that you're in, because I see people talking about it vaguely, but they don't really explain it. It's not really, I mean, I think the best explanation we've had has been, sorry, on our podcast, and I haven't seen it really anyplace else. Um, I think that it's um, not really hot elsewhere. Debbie. You
0: know, I think that it, has the potential to be hot and it's actually connected to this changing of legal services delivery. I I think it's connected to that. And I think that there are some opportunities where it could be really hot, but the consumer has to understand what the product is, where to get it and how to compare it to what they might get from a law firm. I think law firms are a long way away from figuring out how to do it within the firm. And that's where I think the real magic will happen.
2: All right, last one, Uh, hot or not? Increasing law firm tech budgets in 2022. I I will only just say that probably
1: not as cold as the Texas deep freeze of 2021, but uh, not far off. Debbie,
0: you know, I think that there is a firm size factor here, and I would say that from my perspective. In the smaller mid-sized firms, I think the legal tech budgets are increasing for sure. I am seeing people being willing to spend a lot more money than they have in the past, but I don't think that's necessarily true for the really small firms or the really large firms.
2: And for me, I say, anyway, have a code I can borrow. I just think this is super cold. I think that fears about inflation, other uncertainty are going to have people crank down budgets. Uh, you may see some exceptions, but I, I think we're going to see some cost cutting uh, next year, especially with uh, some indications that, that firms are going into compensation, compensation wars.
1: All right, this just in. We're done with Hot or Not. And despite my answers being less than stellar, I still won again. <laughs> and that's hot. All right, it's on to our big finish. We're going to answer six questions in 60 seconds. Debbie, here's number one for you. Your best tech decision of 2021.
0: My remarkable two uh, notebook. It's unbelievable, and I can't believe how much I love it and how much I use it. Second bat uh dennis what's your favorite new tech tool
2: well i got this uh a new apple watch this year and i just totally love it at every level and it's you know so this is the new version it just delights me all the time tom what's your best new google or microsoft product or service
1: all right. So I don't know if it's going to be the best, but I'm going to publicize something coming out next year. And that is Microsoft Loop. Some people say that it is Google Wave coming back uh, and finding a, a, a rebirth. But collaboration in Microsoft 365 is going to be very interesting with Microsoft Loop. I can't wait to try it out. Debbie, what tech do you most want your law firm clients to explore in 2022?
0: Oh, I hate to repeat my answer. So I, I really want Our clients that are still using what we often refer to as the antique roadshow products, you know, the ones that you used to have to put a CD in the CD-ROM drive and click next, next, finish to install. I want those clients, the subset of our clients that are still in that camp to move away and really adopt that cloud-first strategy. Dennis, the best new technology you saw in 2021 that people will be talking about in 2022 and 2023.
2: Well, I'm going to make a head feint toward uh, Web3 and NFTs. I'm going to make a stronger head feint toward virtual reality in the practice of, of law and and more adoption of, of the Oculus. But I'm going to go with Notion, uh, which I just love, um, as it's a lightweight database. Um, I'm using it for everything It's the base of my Second Brain Project and also is for Tom's Second Brain Project. And I just keep finding more and more use for it. Uh, Tom, finally, what's your best tip for 2022? I'm going to make it
1: a self-serving tip, and I'm going to say go and buy a technology book in 2022, and there are several that are worth reading. I will first start out by saying that the new edition, the work-from-home edition of the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies will be out at some point in 2022. Listen to this space so we can tell you when it's ready to come out. And also, Debbie's, Debbie's folks have put out some great uh, books on Microsoft Office tools. Um, they're all available from the ABA Law Practice Division
2: Publishing uh, Division. Um, so go check them out. So that was 2021, a year like no other, well, maybe other than 2020. And we're all cautiously ready to move on to 2022, uh, although perhaps more cautiously than we were a couple of days ago. And we'll have a bunch of great new topics, ideas and guests uh, for you. Thank you, Debbie, for joining us. Debbie, can you tell people how best to reach you?
0: Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, search Debbie Foster. Uh, My company website is affinityconsulting.com and you can find my profile there with a link to my email address. And I would love to hear from anybody who wants to reach out.
2: And I'll just say happy new year to all of you. We enjoy having you uh, be part of the audience for this show. And we invite your comments, your questions, and uh, and you make it great for us, uh, make it actually a joy for us to do this podcast.
1: So that wraps it up for this last edition of the Kennedy Ma Report for 2021. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous shows along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out to us on LinkedIn. Or remember, you can always leave us a voicemail. That number is 720 441
0: from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report only on the Legal Talk Network.